0: to worship the Lord today and to hear from Him today, so that when you leave, you don't leave the same way you came, amen? Why don't I pray for us and then we'll begin in worship. Father, we thank you for the wonderful opportunity you've given us, Lord, to worship you freely. We know, Father, that this is a gift from you. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are God and that you are sovereign. Your word tells us that nothing can separate us from your love. Not height or depth, not the grave, not anything can separate us from you. So, Father, we thank you for the love that you shower on us daily. We pray that today, Father, that the worship that we give you will be a wonderful, 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 just a wonderful sacrifice in your ears your eyes, in your nostrils, Father, like a sweet-smelling savor. So today, Father, we pray asking that you will come and inhabit the praises of your people. Thank you, Lord, for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All the people, God, want don't you stand to your feet? Let's give honor and glory to our wonderful big God who is all-powerful,
1: Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are we make a miracle worker, promise keep light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are.
2: We're gonna take time right now. We're kind of interrupting the worship set because we've got some people among us who are needing God to be exactly what we're talking about. They are needing God to be a way maker, a promise keeper, and a miracle worker. So I'm not gonna call anybody out, but if you wanna come up for prayer, Andrea, if you can get some some oil. You don't have to come right now. We can also pray with you after service. But in this moment where God is present, we're gonna take time and I'm gonna plead some people's case before the Lord because we need him to be this. This cannot just be a worship song. Gone are those days where we're just doing church. We are leaning in, we are pressing in, and we do recognize if God doesn't do it, it will not be done. And so we're going to invite you. We're going to just make us an altar in here right now. I'm not going to sling no oil on you. I'm not going to lay hands and knock you out. We don't do that. Pastor Ray is here, but we're just going to pray. You don't have to come right now, but God knows and I know. So you can come during the prayer. Again, we can pray after church, but we're just going to lean in. For those of you who don't know, we've got people believing for jobs. We got people believing for health. We've got people in our midst believing for their very lives. And so we're gonna press in, and we are going to place a demand on the God that we serve. That way maker, that miracle worker, that wasn't just for the book of Exodus and the children of Israel. The blood of Christ says that we can come boldly before the throne of grace, and there we will obtain mercy. So if you just have an ounce of faith, I just need you to join in with me and say, God, you know we've got two in our midst right now that need a miracle. And so we're gonna pray. Oh, most gracious and everlasting Father, we just come to you, first of all, thanking you that you are our God and that there is none like you. But Lord, we're doing what your word says. We're coming boldly before your throne of grace. And Lord, in our midst, it says you are moving. And we accept that and we ask that you sit with us. But Lord, right now, you know the ones that need a touch. A special touch you know what the doctors have said and so God right now Lord we say touch move in our midst for those move and do such a miracle that even the doctors will be confounded and they'll say it was nothing but God God be who you are do exactly what you do that is the seemingly impossible and so we lean Lord, you said in your word in Zephaniah 3 that the Lord our God is in our midst, mighty to save, mighty to deliver. And so, Lord, we're looking for your saving power in our physical bodies, in our emotions, in our faith in you. Lord, we're leaning in in this moment for you to be God like never before, for marriages, for children, for relationships, God. You are the miracle worker, and we thank you in advance. That you do exactly what we've asked you to do that you will do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond the beyond of anything I can even pray out in English that you will be God and Lord when it is done we will be so intentional we will be so excited we will be so exuberant to give you all of the praise all of the glory all Of the acknowledgement that you deserve so lord we enthrone you as lord over all right now and do exactly what you said you would do miracle worker promise keeper way maker even now we put you to the task lord we come boldly because we know that you are our god and there is none like you so we thank you in advance it is in the mighty precious everlasting healing saving restoring name of jesus christ we pray Amen and amen.
1: My God, that is who you are.
0: Thank you. Thank you for answered prayer. Thank you. That we can rest in you. Thank you. That we can come before your throne. Thank you. That we can lay all of our burdens, our ch- give life,
1: you are love, you give hope in the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken.
0: So Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for this time in which we were able to come before your throne to worship you, to lay our head on your shoulder, to cry tears of pain, so that you can wipe them. Where we can give you our concerns. Where we can plead to you for grace, for mercy, for strength, for encouragement. Where we can rest and trust in you. Father, thank you. Now, Father, as we Go forward in this service. We ask, Lord, that you will please speak to our hearts. Would you please transform our minds with your word of truth? So that, Father, we give you glory in all that we do, say, think, and feel. We want you to be glorified. We want you to be magnified. We want you to be lifted high. We want to be the salt and light that you've called us to be, Father. We will be careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And all of God's people present and
3: Hello, Converge Church. Was well, that not an amazing time of worship? Amen. Yeah. Hey, yes, yes,
4: yes.
3: We just want to say welcome. We see some old and new friends, some family that we haven't seen in a while, and we are just so grateful to see each of you guys here at Converge. We also want to say welcome to Converge Nation, our online virtual family who tunes yeah. in via rebroadcast. And then we want to say hello and welcome to any first time guests. We do not take it lightly that you chose to spend today with us, so thank you. As a small way of saying thank you, if you are a first time guest, we have a gift for you. And we would just ask that you just connect with us in the Welcome Center at the end of service so we can greet you and give you a small token of appreciation, all righty? We also have a few things coming up in the days and weeks ahead that we want to make you aware of. First up is our next I Have Decided water baptism experience will be on Saturday, September 11th at 5 p.m. Yes, yes. If you have recently made a first time decision to follow Jesus, we wanna celebrate this important faith milestone with you. So we're asking that you would just email admin at weareconverged.com and we will get all of the important details to you. Next up, it's the end of July. It's hot here in Texas, summer months. We have some awesome Converge merch, Jesus is greater than me, <laughs> available. So if you would like to see what we've got to offer, you can stop by the merch table at the end of service, or you can visit us online at store.weareconverge.com. Alrighty? And then if you guys want to stay connected with us, if you want to take advantage of some of the amazing content that we have available on demand for each of you, we just ask that you connect with us online. So connect with us on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube at WeAreConverge. Be sure to like, follow, subscribe, and we would love it if you would share it with your friends and family. And then last but never least, if you would like to partner with us financially and help deliver the gospel here in person and online, we have multiple ways for you to do that. First, here in person, our ushers are in the aisles and they have envelopes if you need it. We just ask that you fill out all of the details on the envelopes and then place them in the receptacles at the end of the worship experience. You can also give safely and securely online by going to www.weareconverged.com forward slash give, or you can text converge give and the dollar amount to 77977. Alrighty. Thank you guys so much for your generosity. Thank you for partnering with us. Let us pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to sow into your kingdom. We thank you for every financial gift sown. We pray that you would bless it, God, and we don't take it lightly that we can use this to build your kingdom. So we just love you and thank you for the opportunity to partner with you and to help support Converge in this way. We love you, we thank you, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. As a real-time example of what your gifts and what your dollars do when you support Converge financially, we do have a quick video that we want to share with you. So check out this video. Thank you.
5: Hello, my name is Lexi and I'm here with some of the Living Water Ministry staff. We've spent our entire day packing around 80 food packages to hand out to some young adults within our ministry. During this second wave of COVID, things have been very difficult here in our community. So many people are without jobs and without food. These food packages should last their families about two weeks. We are so blessed with your continued support. So thank you again for partnering with us. We could not do this without you.
4: Right, Converge. Aren't you glad that we get to partner? Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, come on, come on. A little enthusiasm on that. Just one of the many ways we advance the kingdom, not just locally, but globally around the world. And it's because of your generosity that we're able to do that. Not only are we partnering right now in real time, with Living Water Ministries and the work that they're doing in Kampala, Uganda, uh, working with young adults and on university campuses. But we're also actively partnering right now in Liberia with uh, um, uh, 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 Metro Harvest Church, the Church Without Walls, and they're doing incredible work. In fact, I was in Liberia in June, and I'll bring you guys an update of how your generosity is impacting Lives. In fact, uh, late last year, I think it was uh, November or December, man, you guys showed up for the shoe drive. Over 250 pairs of shoes uh, were distributed in Liberia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it went to serve underserved communities in Liberia. So we are a local church with a global vision. And uh, we've always, always, since our inception, we've always led and we've always uh, lived with an open hand not a clenched fist. Uh, What you just saw on the screen is just one small example of how we're making a difference, not only locally, but around the world. Check this out. Without further ado, I'd like to invite my Mocha princess to join me. Uh, You heard from her already. And uh, man, as she exhorted us to trust big... And uh, believe God to be everything he promised to be in his word He is the same God, Jesus Christ the same Yesterday, today and forever But today, today, right now we get to celebrate something uh, That is uh, one of our traditions here at Converge And uh, it's, it's an opportunity to share with one of our families Or two families, uh, this important milestone So tell us a little bit about what's, uh, what's about to happen right now
2: well good evening everyone what we're about to celebrate right now is baby dedication Mm -hmm. and that is exciting because that means that the church is growing and it also means that something good came out of covid so we have (laughs) a new little baby to celebrate we've got a couple of babies to celebrate so we're going to invite the smith and scott family to come on up as you see on the screen baby mariah is they here And she is doing well, so we're gonna have them come on Yes, we'd like
4: to invite the family. uh, And you guys are gonna come around this way, up the stairs.
2: I was out a little bit earlier today, and then there was uh, someone asked me, so what is baby dedication? And just, I didn't really know what to say because I'm always looking for opportunities to witness. And so out of my mouth came, well, it's like cousin to a wedding. (laughs) When you have baby dedication, what you are saying, it's a ceremony and it's for the church to pray for the parents, but the parents are making a commitment to raise the baby in the fear and admonition of the Lord. So I hope that that is biblically sound, but baby dedication, that's what it is. I don't know if it's really cousin to marriage, but it is a ceremony. And so it's not just dedicating baby Mariah, but it's actually us as a community being willing and available to pray for you so you all we know him as dj but this is darren and then here's tiance and baby mariah now we know uh we're expecting dj to go to the nfl but he put a little something extra in his toolbox last week he got his pilot's license Mm. so we are very proud of him and he's home this weekend. Baby Mariah was not feeling 100% when we had baby dedication. And he's home. He's playing football for Eastern Michigan. And so I said, if he's when he's home, I talked to Chandra, when he's home, we'll just go ahead on and do it. And so we just thank you so much. And so we give you this charge for baby dedication. And I don't know you as well yet, but I know your mother kept her commitment in bringing you up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And so that legacy that is in you as a father now, you pass that on down to baby Mariah. We're so glad you're here. You are our daughter, too, because this has been our son in the faith, and so we just welcome you. We're so happy that you are with us, and we are just so excited for baby Mariah. And so what we're doing as a church community, we're also saying that when you bring her to Children's Church, that we're going to do right by her. We're going to love her. Yes. When she can chew them, we're going to give her peppermints. And when she's old enough, we will give her a couple of dollars so she can get a Sonic slushy <laughs> after church. <laughs> and so we're so excited to the family, to Grandma and Grandma and Papa Scotty. And Great Grandma, we're very excited. And Auntie. So we're so excited. So we're going to join in. We're going to ask you, for those of you, That are of faith to get ready to pray with us, but I want to show you something that I'm not just talking from the top of my head like I was earlier in the mall when I said, you know, it's cousin to a, a wedding. But here in Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, it says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. So that's the first command as the parents. You are to love God with all your heart. And it says, These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. So it's not enough for us as parents to know the Lord. And something we say in our household is, as we were raising, as we continue to raise Nia and Levi, I tell them, Jesus can't be the Jesus of mommy and daddy. He's got to be Jesus to you, Nia. He's got to be Jesus to you, Levi. And so that's what we're saying. The Jesus that you know and experience, then you pass that down so that Mariah can know him and experience him for herself. It says, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk. These are the commands of the Lord along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. So we thank you so much for having the presence of mind and still the commitment in this day and age to want to bring your baby to the Lord. You are doing what Mary and Joseph did for Jesus. When he was eight days old, they brought him to the temple to be dedicated to the Lord. He was already the son of God, but he set the example for us. He did not think himself too highly to miss a step. And so you're following in his steps. And not only are we joining in to pray for you and asking you to teach baby Mariah, we're placing a demand on the Lord to keep her and to preserve her and to do what his word says. With long life shall he satisfy her and she shall see the salvation Mm. of the Lord. So we're going to pray with you. Church family, if you could stretch your hands. We're going to pray for Darren and Tiance first and then baby Mariah. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these parents. We thank you that you saw fit through it all, even before you created the heavens and the earth, that you knew that Mariah would be born for such a time as this. Lord, we thank you for keeping Darren, even as he is going to school and he's flying airplanes. Lord, we pray that the angel of the Lord encamp round about him to keep him. Lord, we thank you for uncommon grace and wisdom in Tiance as she is a mother for the first time, and she has this beautiful gift from you, yes. Lord. We surround them with faith, love, and prayers. And Lord Jesus, we pray over baby Mariah. Yes. Lord, we thank you that she is not just biology, but she's a soul, a sign from heaven, yes, with is. a plan and a purpose. Lord, we speak out Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, thank where you, you say, "I know the thoughts I have of Mariah; mm-hmm. they are good thoughts, thoughts to do her good and not to do her harm, to give her the hope and the future." That she hopes for. Lord, we thank you that you will keep her, that you will cause her feet to never stray into the far country, that you will preserve her innocence. And from a young age, Lord, she'll know who Jesus is and she will shout his praises. We thank you for this family. We thank you for Auntie, Lord, that she'll experience the joy of being an Auntie. We thank you for the grandmothers, Lord, and I thank you that. Baby Mariah will have the testimony of how the grandmothers loved her and cooked for her and taught her about Jesus. We thank you for great-grandmom and her testimony, the legacy of faith that she's passed down to even her children. So she's seeing her children's children's children be blessed. And we thank you for Papa Scotty, Heavenly Father. As the patriarch of this family, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you'll continue to give him wisdom, Mm. grace, and joy as his family is growing. Lord, we ask that you bless them and keep them, that you make your face to shine upon them, and that they would be blessed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so we have a little gift for baby Mariah. We've got a certificate. So if she gets seven and she starts getting sassy, say, no, baby, you know Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> calm down. You can put this on her bedroom wall. And then we have her very own Bible. And this is something, since you're here, you can read this to her sometimes when you have a chance to, because she's not reading yet. Don't let her tear the pages up while you're reading because she'll try to do that. <laughs> so this is her little first little Bible, and you can start reading that. Even though she doesn't understand the words, you can even start reading it to her now. And by the Spirit of God, it places incorruptible seed yes, of the Lord is. Jesus Christ in her spirit. So we thank Thank you all for giving us this opportunity. We are so glad you are home. Yes, <laughs> you didn't miss are. the opportunity. And so we bless you. God's gonna keep you. You're not gonna get hurt. You're gonna be well. And you're gonna come back to, well, we hope you don't come back to Texas. We hope you're going to the NFL, so.
4: He can come back to the Cowboys, baby. Uh,
2: no, we, oh, I we, forgot. My yeah, bad, yeah, my, yeah, bad yeah. my bad, my bad,
4: oh. No shade, Cowboys, but you know. No, mom (laughs) is a die-hard Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So Pastor was just loud and wrong all at the same
2: time. He can be wanted by the Cowboys,
4: right? But he will be
2: drafted by By the the Steelers. Steelers, In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And then you you can pass out some tickets, and and then you could just come and pick us up, and just fly us all there, and then we could just shout your praises as
4: you play. Now, one one last thing, uh, because. because your pastor is nosy like that, I'm, I'm gonna get nosy for a second because I know this is real special, uh, especially when 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 uh, the the family lineage grows. And I know one of the things that uh, first time grandmothers love to do is to pick out their own name for how they're gonna be called. So here we go. I wanna know what baby Mariah calls both grandmas. All right. So I'll let you go first. Gigi, Gigi. all right, all right, fantastic. Shasha. Shasha, come on, I love it. Now there's got to be a backstory to Shasha. It is. All right, tell us the backstory.
2: The backstory. So
3: as DJ was two, three, he would always hear people calling me Chandra, and he could never say Chandra. He so he would say Shasha, and I would say, No, I'm mommy. And so as Mariah came along, I said, now I am her Shasha.
4: Oh, so. I love it. I love it. All right, Gigi, backstory. I felt like I was too young to be called grandma. Sorry. That's what I'm talking about, girl. Come on. In Jesus' name, amen. One more time, Converge. Let's show our love for this beautiful, beautiful family. We love you. Thank you so much for allowing us to share in this important milestone with you. God bless you. God bless you. DJ, proud of you, man. God bless you. We say welcome home, whether you're here in person or joining us virtually online, we're so glad that you are here with us tonight. In fact, the psalmist said it this way, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I know I'm not alone with that sentiment. Anybody else excited to be in the house tonight? Yeah, 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 yeah. We've got some very special guests. My dear friends, uh, the Segovia's are here, Nabila, Jessica are in the house. Man, thank you. Cindy, so good to see you. Uh, Such a blessing. Uh, Thank you guys for being here tonight. And then again, uh, all of our Converge Church family, you guys are so faithful. Uh, Thank you for being a part of what God is doing right here at Converge. And uh, listen, we are in week, week eight of our current sermon series that we have titled Get Out. And we're marching through the book of Exodus. We have discovered that there are life lessons that God wants us to glean From his interaction with the Israelites as he brought them out of Egypt into the land of promise, the land of Canaan, a land flowing with milk. And honey. Now, you guys know that we are a New Testament, a new covenant church. However, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 said this to the church at Corinth. He said, Listen, there are some things that you can learn from God's interaction with the Israelites. And that's what we've been doing, right? We've been taking Paul's advice and learning these life lessons from God's interactions, God's dealings with the Israelites. Someone said this to me. In fact, I think it was Andrea. She said, it's better to learn from explanation than from experience. What does that mean? It's a lot cheaper and a lot less painful to learn from someone else's mistakes than from personal experience. And so God is giving us sort of this lifeline, and he's saying you can avoid some of the mistakes and missteps that the Israelites made if you simply revisit the text and glean these lessons. We also said that God's instruction and God's admonition and example to the Israelites are really guardrails, right? To keep us on course and to keep us on track. Now, God doesn't want us to keep us from having fun. He wants us to have a good time. In fact, the scripture declares that the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? But God wants to keep us from choices, From decisions that will keep us from enjoying the fullness of his plan and his purpose for our lives. And he gave us an entire book, 40 chapters that we can learn and glean from. Right now, uh, we're studying uh, the Ten Commandments, right? We're learning uh, some lessons from the Ten Commandments. And this is what we discovered. That of the Ten Commandments, four of them are vertical in their orientation, and six of them are horizontal. Last week, we discovered uh, or we examined what the four vertical commandments are. These commandments help us uh, to relate to God in a healthy way. Remember, we said that God was bringing the Israelites out of 420 years, not only of slavery and bondage, but 420 years of trauma and dysfunction. God was trying to get them to move from a slavery mentality to a mentality of sonship, that they didn't have to perform their way into God's approval, they were already approved because they were loved by God. They were already accepted because they were loved by God. So there were some things that God had to undo after 420 years of bondage because they couldn't go into the promised land and enjoy the fullness of the promised land with an Israel, I'm sorry, with an Egypt mentality. So say this with me. Get it it out of me. me. Let's say that one more time with conviction. Get it it out out of me. Jesus said it this way, it's not what goes into a man's mouth that defiles him, it's what comes out of him. And that's why Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived in Proverbs 4, said it this way, guard your heart, for out of your heart flow all the issues of life. Most of us think our problems are external in their origin. Nah, baby. Paul said, not Paul, Solomon said, the problems we encounter originate in our hearts, Here's here's what Robert E. Frost, the great American writer says, he said, be careful before you build walls because you have to know what you're walling in and what you're walling out. Unfortunately, when life happens, we build these massive walls, some of them insurmountable because we don't want to get hurt again. Isn't that what we say? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And we make these silent vows and say, that'll never happen to me again. And we build these walls around our hearts for self-preservation. The problem is we don't realize that sometimes we're building walls and we're keeping the wrong things in and the right things out. And so as God is taking the Israelites out of bondage into freedom, into liberty, he says, listen, there's some stuff that's in you, it's ingrained in you, it's generational, and you can't bring it forward. you got to break the cycle. You have to disrupt these patterns that you have normalized. Story is told of this lady who invited some people over for dinner, and uh, she was making dinner, and her daughter saw that she... Cut off the edges, I mean the ends of the sausage, and put it in the pot. And her daughter was like, "Uh, Mom, why'd you do that? He said, Well, baby, I'm not really sure, except I always saw Mom do that. And so she was curious. He said, Mom, uh, I'm making this dish. We got to have some company. And I always saw you cut the ends off the sausage. Uh, Do you know why we do that? I'm sorry, the hand, the ends off the hand. And so she, her mom was like, uh, I'm not sure. I just saw mom do that, so let me call her. So this is grandma. So mom, no, is this great-grandma? This is, whoever it is, it's somewhere deep in the generations. Come on, somebody. It's grandma. It's grandma uh, is grandma calling great-grandma now? No, it's daughter called mom, mom called grandma. Okay, let's go one more. Grandma now called great-grandma. Come on somebody. And when grandma called great grandma and said, "Why we cut the ends off the sausage?" The ham. Off the ham. My bad. I got to get the story right. <laughs> why we cut the ends off the ham? And great grandma said, "Baby, it was the only pot we could fit the ham in and it was so small, that's why we cut the ends off." <laughs> hmm? <laughs> there are things in our lives that are passed down from generation to generation. Some of us don't even know why we do it. In fact, the only reason we do it is because it's what we have normalized. And so God says there are some things that are normal to you that are abnormal to me. That's not the way I designed you to live. And you have lowered the standard that I designed and created for your life. So God's saying, listen, You've been accustomed to living this way for 420 years. You've been cutting the ends off the ham. Baby, come on. It's time to eat the whole ham, the bone and all. Come on, somebody. So God is challenging us to consider what we've normalized in our own lives personally. So it's not only what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that these things were written for their example, but for our admonition He also writes to the church at Rome, and he shares this familiar passage of Scripture. What has become familiar to the church, it was new to them. But in Romans chapter 12, this is our anchor text, one of our two anchor texts for today. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 20, but we're going to start in Romans chapter 12, beginning in the uh, New King James translation. Familiar passage of Scripture to most. Uh, Paul writes to the church in Rome, and he says, I beseech you, I implore you, I plead with you. I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. We talked about this extensively last week, that when we consider how merciful God has been, what he asks us in return is reasonable. He's not asking something of us that is unreasonable, When we consider how good God has been, you put it on one end of the scale, and you consider the fact that he says, I want you to live a life of surrender, it's really a good deal, is what Paul is saying. And then he continues, and then he says, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Somebody say transformed. By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do I figure out, how do I discern and decipher between what is God's will and something that I've just normalized because of my family history? It says the way you do it is you renew your mind, you undo your old way of thinking, and you submit your new way of thinking to the word of God. That the word of God becomes the filter for how I think and how I live. That's how I test whether I'm in the will of God or not. It shouldn't be a guessing game. I can go to the word of God and see what the word of God says about God's plan for my life. And I can discern whether it is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God for my life. Because God, listen, listen, listen. Because it is... God-appointed, not self-assumed, meaning I don't get to decide it. I just discover what God has already decided. Are you all with me? And where I find what God has decided is in his word so that I don't have to guess, right? I don't have to wonder. I can go to God's word and I can discover what he's already decided because it's God-appointed, not self-assumed assumed let me read that quickly from the message translation and then we're gonna get into some good stuff here you go I think it's gonna bless you Uh, uh, the message paraphrase beginning at verse 1 it says so here's what I want you to do God helping you take your everyday ordinary life how many of you realize that God is concerned with every aspect of your life every aspect of your life because God loves you deeply In fact, not only does he love you deeply, the scripture says in Psalm 139 that he is intimately acquainted with all of your ways. Psalm 139 says, even before a word is formed on my lips, you already know it. So he says, take every aspect of your life and just lay it on the altar and surrender it to a God who already loves you deeply and cares about you profoundly. He says, take your sleeping... You're eating, you're going to work, and you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. And we said this last week, God created you as a Christ follower, not to fit in, but to stand out. There ought to be a difference and there ought to be a distinction. That people you need know, to be able to look at you and look at me and say, you know what? Like they said about the early disciples, they reasoned that these men had been with Jesus. When people encounter you, is that how they experience you? like, wow. Chandra's been with Jesus. He didn't identify you by what you drive and what you wear. Wow. Tommy's been with Jesus. Is there enough evidence in our lives in how we handle not just our successes, but our struggles for the people around us to say, man, those folk at Converge Church, they've been with Jesus. That's what the scripture calls a living sacrifice. Can I break this down for you? I said it last week, but it bears repeating because the word picture that Paul uses is that of uh, metamorphosis. In fact, the literal word in the Greek, is metamorpho, where we get the word metamorphosis. What I love about the process of metamorphosis is simply this. Y'all ready for this? The cocoon, or the chrysalis, listen to me, is a tomb and a womb simultaneously. To the caterpillar, it is a tomb where he must die. But to the butterfly, it is a womb where it is being conceived and being created in what it can be. And I want to submit to some of you today that what you are experiencing right now, the discomfort of your personal cocoon, I'm talking about the caterpillar upside down, suspended in the darkness wrapped up in something, must die in order for the butterfly to live. And some of you, some of us right now, are going through a process that seems like we disoriented. Don't know if you're coming or you're going. Don't know if you're upside down or right side up. In fact, there are some things about your life right now that you are seeing die. And you're saying, wow, what's, what's this all about? Things that we have held on to, again, things that we have normalized. And God said, that right there in this process that I've called a cocoon must die because you can't be a caterpillar and a butterfly simultaneously. And I'm bringing you through this process, and it's weird, and you don't understand it, you're disoriented, but check this out it's not only a tomb. It's also a womb. Because death always precedes resurrection life. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm saying that what you're experiencing now is not abnormal. It's part of his process. Mm. Most of us don't like that. And so most of us, would rather settle for the life of a caterpillar than endure the process of the cocoon that will turn us into a butterfly. Hmm? Okay. So uh, he says, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you And he develops well-formed maturity in you. We said this a few weeks ago, but again, it bears repeating. When you go through crisis, recognize that God ain't trying to destroy you. He's trying to develop you. I meant to bring my pencil. Well, actually, ain't my pencil might be Levi's pencil. The interesting thing about a pencil is before you can even use it, it has to be what? Now, I would venture to say that pencil, if it were human, would say what? Please don't sharpen me. I'm good just the way I am. Yet the effectiveness and the usefulness of the pencil is connected to it being sharpened. If it ain't sharpened, it's useless. And here's what I love about that pencil. The sharper it is, the more you use it, and over time it becomes what? And guess what has to happen next, Nabeel? And I would venture to say, if you and I were that pencil, We would say what to the person who owned the pencil? I'm good. good. Yet, I can't use you if you don't. So God says, I sharpened you once. About to sharpen you again. And in order to sharpen you again, there's some stuff that's going to cut away from you. Something must die in order for the best of you to live. And all God is saying is, baby, I'm just developing you. I ain't trying to kill you. You're more useful to me sharp than dull. And I use crisis to sharpen you so that I can use you for my glory. Are y'all with me? All right, I already know. (laughs) Huh? My wife said don't say it. Okay, I shouldn't say it? Just keep preaching. All right, here it is. So the Ten Commandments, four of them are vertical, the first four, right? You shall have no other gods before me. And God was saying, I'm your day one. And he was saying, listen, listen, listen. He was. This is what he was saying. He was saying, I'm not just your chief God, I am your only God. Can I tell that story? A couple that we know uh, came to us for counseling because they were distraught. Um, uh, There had been infidelity in the marriage, and everything we tried to do to intervene to help the spouse, who was the offender, to come to their senses. I will try to keep it gender neutral. To come to their senses didn't work continue to talk to this other person that they were having the affair with, and the, the light bulb moment for this person who was the offender was when this person, she was, mm, when this person, they were in the relationship said, you my number one, but you ain't my only one. Talk about a light bulb moment. Because she, <clears throat> this person was willing to walk away from their relationship, their marriage of many years, their children, they were many, because this person thought that the person they were in this relationship with saw them as their only one. The light bulb moment was when they realized, (laughs) you're my number one, but you ain't my only one. Listen to me. God doesn't only want to be your number one. He wants to be your only one. That's why he said, you will have no other gods before me. Exclusive. God doesn't do open relationships. And he said, because I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Let me bring it forward to 2021. I just want you to imagine for a second... Whew. Pastor Ray walking around, and I opened up my wallet to give Pastor Wendy my debit card, and there's a picture of another woman in my wallet. You hear that already? Do you hear it <laughs> Come on, somebody. Y'all can feel that every woman in the house felt that. Yet we do that with God every day. We said, God, I love you, but you ain't my only one. You're my number one. And the whole time, man, got this other picture of other things that have taken over our affections. Number two, we said you'll have no other gods before me, no graven image, no idols. We talked about that extensively. And sometimes the first idol we have to deal with is ourselves. Number three. What do we say God said? Put some respect on my name. Hmm? That we don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Number four, we said, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And what God was establishing was the importance, the priority of work-life balance. God said, if six days was good for me, six days is good for you. That on six days you work and set aside a day. Set aside a day to rest, to reflect on my goodness and all that I've already done for you so that you can recover. Those are the four vertical commandments that God gives us to help us relate to him. And that's why when Jesus came and he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Vertical. And he said the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are the words of Jesus. So the next six commandments are designed, listen to me, they are designed to help us elevate our relational intelligence. And that's the problem, though. That's the dilemma. That's the tension we must live with. Because people can be your greatest blessing and simultaneously be your greatest burden. And remember, God is bringing the Israelites. Out of 420 years of doing things one way, and he's trying to teach them how to do things a new way. And he's saying, In the land of promise, in Canaan, you gotta learn how to relate to me, and you gotta learn how to relate to each other. And he says, There's lessons both ways. Are y'all ready? You ready to elevate your relational intelligence, your relational IQ? My wife said, don't say it. But it starts with the fifth commandment. The fifth commandment says, honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. 2021, Pastor Ray, paraphrase, it starts at the crib, y'all. Listen to what God was saying. He was saying, What you experience in the land of promise is directly related to how you manage what happens at the crib. Because the family is the primary unit of society. Whatever way the family goes, the culture goes. You say, well, Pastor Ray, how do you get that from honor your father and mother? Let me me tell you how I get that. Three things are supposed to happen at the crib. Three. Y'all ready? Three things are supposed to happen at the crib, and three things are supposed to happen within the context of family. Number one, training. That's why the Scripture says in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6, train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they, oh, guess what? They ain't going to depart from it. Pastor Wendy read Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 6. It talks about training. You can go back and read uh, verses 1 through, I think, 16. And everything in Deuteronomy chapter 6 is talking about what should happen at the crib. Training. The way Colossians 3 puts it, it helps us understand that the ultimate responsibility of parents, see a lot of little ones in it, ultimate responsibility of parenting is not compliance, it's character development. Uh, we were raising a generation that said, "Do it, because I said so." There's a place for that. But what if you're not around to enforce what you' said? Yes. Do they have the character to do the right thing without you looking over their shoulder? First thing that's supposed to happen is training. Now the second thing that's going to happen don't get me wrong, is obedience. Colossians chapter 3 also says it this way, children, obey your parents in all things because this is right. So what's supposed to happen in the context of the family? God was showing them a new way to do family, to create a healthy, not toxic family culture, and he said, train them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Number two, they ought to be obedient while they're under your roof. But then this third Thing that's supposed to happen within the context of family is honor. How many realize that honor is not the same as obedience? Because when it comes to honor, you have a choice. Are right, you listening to what I'm saying? In Scripture, it doesn't say, uh, children, honor your father and mother. This commandment is for all of us, whether you're a child or an adult. I'm a grown man, 50 years old. And my dad's gonna be watching. My wife and I care for my dad. I don't have to obey what he tells me. But I honored him. Yes. I honored him by giving up my master bedroom. In fact, that was my wife's idea. Sorry, Pops, but that wasn't Junior's idea. <laughs> that was your daughter. In fact, he doesn't even call her his daughter. He calls, I mean his daughter-in-law in love, or he calls her his daughter since day one, even before he met her. That's a choice that we make to show them honor. Not because they demand it, not because He requires it, but because the scripture says, Show honor. Now, the problem is, the problem is, for many people today, we've grown up in family environments where the people that God says we should honor have not been honorable. Come on, let's tell the truth and shame the devil. But this promise is not conditional. It does not say, honor your father and mother if they were good to you. This is where it gets quiet in church. Because I can tell you story after story where father and mother did more harm than good. Yet the scripture says, if you're going to thrive in the land of promise, regardless of what they did, regardless of how poorly they did it, if you are going to live long and prosper in the land, show them honor. And you're going to show them honor, not because of how they have been, but because of who you choose to be. Let me say that again. Honor is not something we extend. Honor is not something we bestow because of how they've treated us. Honor is something you express and bestow because of who you are. And God was challenging the children of Israel and he was saying, can you be honorable in the places where you have been dishonored? I'm talking about open heart surgery. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? I'm talking to the people in the room who have cut off mom and dad, who have a strained relationship with mom and dad. This promise, this in fact, this command is not conditional. It says honor them. It is the first commandment with promise. And he said if you're going to thrive in the land of promise, it starts with what happens at the crib. It first of all should be training in righteousness. Unfortunately, as parents... We've outsourced that too. We've outsourced parenting, like we've outsourced coaching. Oh, let's just drop them off in children's church and we'll teach them about Jesus. No, it's your responsibility. Let me read this quote to you. <laughs> Yeesh. Uh, it goes like this it says, The children now love luxury. They show disrespect for their elders and love to chatter in the place of exercise. Children today are tyrants. They're not servants of the households. They no longer rise when their elders enter the room. They contradict their parents in public. They chatter before company. They gobble up dainties at the table. They cross their legs and they tyrannize their teachers. Now the reason I read that quote to you it's because that quote is attributed to Socrates, who lived thousands of years ago. The challenges that we see in families today are nothing new. And part of the problem is we haven't created Deuteronomy 6 families, where there's training, where there's obedience. Colossians 3, children obey your parents in all things because this is pleasing to the Lord. And then number three, honor. It didn't say children, honor your parents. It just says honor them. That means you can be grown 50 years old with this beard and God's expectation is that you honor them. That's what looking, living on the second mile looks like. Jesus said it this way. Jesus said it this way. He said, if your enemy compels you to go one mile, go two. Why did Jesus say that? Jesus was saying that because the Israelites at the time were under Roman occupation. And it was law that if a Roman soldier coming from the battlefield took off his gear, you were compelled, you were forced by law to carry all of his equipment All of his armor, one mile. Now, after the one mile, you could do whatever you wanted to do. Jesus said, if there are people in your life who compel you to carry the load, don't just go one mile. Go the extra mile. What was Jesus saying? You know what Jesus was saying? Jesus was saying, that first mile is about the law. That first mile is about compliance. That second mile, guess who's in charge? You flip the script. Because I'm no longer doing something for you that you have compelled me to do. This is now my choice. And on the second mile, I'm not motivated by law. I am choosing grace. Jesus was saying, I mean, uh, God was saying, In the Ten Commandments with the Sixth Commandment, if you're going to elevate your relational intelligence, (laughs) you got to learn to live on the second mile. And Zig Ziglar said there are no traffic jams on the second mile freeway. You know what that means? You know where the traffic jam is? On that first mile. But very few people make it to the second mile, where I can show honor to somebody who has been dishonorable, not because of how they have been to me, but because of who I choose to be. And he says, this is what makes life work in the promised land. This is how you bring your relational intelligence up. I can't even get to to commandment number six. I thought the series was going to end tonight. We're going to have to extend it maybe even a couple of weeks. Because this is what God said. This is what God said. This is a big deal for all of us who are super religious. Well, all I need is me and God. That's right, baby girl. Come on. That's confirmation right there. All I need is me and, If that were true. God would not have said it was not good for the man to be alone. No. It's not okay for us to just claim that we are rightly aligned with God vertically. Yeah, I honor the first four commandments. Yeah, I'm good. Let me tell you. Let me let me just let me just level the playing field real quick. You all ready? This is what God said. How can you claim to love a God you have not seen if you hate your brother who you do see? When you ask the question, what comes first, the egg or the chicken, the chicken or the egg? God says you can't even start to claim that you love me if you haven't learned to love your, you can't claim to love a God you haven't seen if you don't even love your brother whom you do see. So he was saying to the Israelites, if this thing is going to work. It's not just going to be about your location. I'm not just going to bring you into this land flowing with milk and honey. If your, lives are, if your lives are going to prosper and flourish, it's not just about the four vertical commandments. The six horizontal matter as well. And he says it starts at the crib. And it starts with this thing called honor. Are you with me? Over the next several weeks, we are going to elevate our relational intelligence because God was taking them out of a slavery mentality and bringing them into a promised land mentality. And he says the power of what happens in your place of promise is not only your relational intelligence with me vertically, but your relational intelligence with horizontally, because you choose to be your brother's keeper. The band can come as we pray, as we pray. Amen. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, thank you, Father, for your precious holy word. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness tonight that our acceptance and our approval is not based on how well we keep the law. Father, tonight we acknowledge that we are accepted because of the finished work of the cross. Not because of our performance, but because of what Jesus did. And what Jesus did on the cross was complete. He left nothing undone. And we, because of our faith, in Jesus and what he did on the cross, get to enjoy all the benefits. But Lord, our part is that when we're saved, we're not saved by good works, we're saved unto good works. That because we are saved, there ought to be evidence, good works that come out of our lives, lives. the way we treat others, the way we love others, the way we show honor. To others and it starts it starts at home because the family the family the husband to wife the wife to her husband the parents to their children the children to their parents relational intelligence begins in the family because the family is ground zero for everything that you do in culture So Lord, tonight, even though we didn't get to 80% of the message, I pray, I pray that the 20% we did cover will resonate with your people and that God will begin to do something transformative in families, that we will embrace honor as part of our new culture, our new relational culture. Honor for father and mother, honor for our spouse, honor for our children, even honor for our coworkers and the people we interact with. And Lord, I pray that we would make room in the days to come, not just for the ones who have been good and kind and gracious and perfect, but even for the ones that have been harsh and mean and unfair, And that, God, your grace and your love that has been shed abroad in our hearts will give us the ability to show honor to our father and honor to our mother that our days might be long, the first commandment with promise. We thank you for that now, Father, in the strong, matchless, mighty name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen and amen. Did that help anybody tonight? Glory to God. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. All right. So this is what we're going to do, Converge. Uh, This is our time to dismiss the service, and why don't you stand with us? Uh, On your way out, man, make some time to hug a neck, shake a hand, tell somebody hello. Hello. And then stop by the merch table as well. Grab some merch there. And uh, why don't you guys give me four on the floor? Go into big, man. Go into the intro of big. Oh, you can't because the keyboard player is gone. You can? Okay, give me the intro of big. Uh, Yeah, there you go. I want us to go out. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right, I like that. All right, Converge, we will see you same time, same place. Next Saturday, 5 p.m. for Converted Live. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you
5: then. Bye-bye. If you were impacted by today's message, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear. Or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some information to help you kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at info at weareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com give. You can also text 77977, type in converge give and the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.